Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. Uh, Things have gotten really intense. I am recording this on March 19th. Um, uh, California just did a statewide lockdown here in Utah where I live. On Wednesday we had a 5.7 earthquake and it felt like a tornado at my house and it was really intense. So our pets' heads are falling off, right? I mean, we're at that point where uh, things just seem like the apocalypse. The abusive behaviors that you may be experiencing when you're in close proximity with an abusive man, especially a psychologically abusive man, um, may escalate during this time. Know that I am praying for you and thinking about you and extremely concerned and that Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group, it's up and running. Um, We've had to reduce our pay, of course, because in the panic, we have less women signing up for our services. So if you are in the position where you can donate to keep this podcast live, please, I'm asking you to do that. We really need it right now. And um, also, if you are in a situation where you need support, which I'm guessing so many of you are, Join Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group. We have groups that run every day. You can join in your closet. You can join in your car, even if it's in your driveway. We are here for you, and we will stay here for you during this time. All of our coaches are committed to being here for you, and I'm committed to staying on air, and I I just hope that um, financially and emotionally and physically and everything that I can make it through this, just like all of you do, right? We're all in the same boat. So James, who is a Center for Peace client, and you can find information about Center for Peace at cenfp.org, which is an abuser program. I call it an abuse cessation program that uses the abuse model to address pornography use, lying, manipulation, gaslighting, all of that kind of stuff. We have a client of Center for Peace on today's podcast. We recorded this a couple of weeks ago when the world had not fallen apart, so you won't hear us mention that. But um, Center for Peace is entirely online. If you're interested in joining, we have another year-long program starting, I think it's in June, but you'll need to check the website, which is again cenfp.org. If you are interested, there are only 11 spots available for the entire year-long program, and they go quickly. You have to get your money in, and you have a polygraph before it starts. So the process takes a while to actually onboard into the program. So if you're interested, you need to get with Coach Joy, like ASAP, to get your spot. Again, because there's only 11 spots available, and they go very, very quickly. Check the website or email Coach Joy at joi at btr.org. And then for Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group, like I mentioned before, which is our daily online group, it's live. You can actually talk to real people and interact with women who really get it. That you can find our daily support group schedule at btr.org. So now for the interview with James. Today, I am honored to talk with one of the men in our Center for Peace program. We're going to call him James, although that is not his real name, and I'm so grateful to have him here to share his insight from being in the program. Welcome, James. I really appreciate the opportunity to hop on today. 
before we start, this is like a little bit scary and a little bit interesting, right? So talk with a man and say, so how are your abusive behaviors going? Uh, yes, it is pretty awkward. Yeah. Before Center for Peace, before you entered the program, did you recognize the extent of your abusive behaviors or what did you think about this whole abuse idea? You know, honestly, when it was first brought to my attention, I was completely offended, if I can be honest with you. I was thrown back by the terminology when my wife first said, you're an abuser. It literally scared me. I have never in a million years would take on such a title. I mean, historically and culturally, we know it to be around physical abuse. That's the way some of the courts have viewed it and things of that nature. But as I began to learn more and as more was being exposed to me, not only through reading and listening to this amazing podcast, but through the center of peace, it took a second, but it finally clicked. And I realized that I am an abuser. And that takes a lot of maturity and growth to be able to say for me personally, I can't speak for anyone else, but coming from my background, which is a church background and growing up in a home of faith and previous life, I'd say being a minister and the director of ministries for a very large church, I actually would scoff at the idea of such a term, but it is the truth and the truth will set us free. So that's the way I kind of view it. Now, we know that abuse is a behavior. It's also kind of an attitude, right? An attitude of entitlement, an attitude of like, I deserve more, I'm better, you know, those types of things. So it's both. In terms of behaviors, after being in the program, do you feel like your abusive behaviors have drastically reduced? So I do. And obviously, that's my opinion. <laughs> I have to let my wife speak. <laughs> By the way, I'm going to tell our listeners that we are going to have James's wife on so that she can tell us her opinion, right? Because her opinion is the one that counts, but we would like to hear your perspective as well. So yeah, tell me about that. Like, do you think that they've reduced? I do think that they have reduced. I should put this in context. I think and understand that it takes probably a decade or more to truly stop the behavior and the abusive tendencies and actions, right? So I am no saint, I am not perfect. I very much so still make mistakes. But I think the area of growth that has happened for me is one, being aware and conscious of the actions. Uh, I think two, being able to call myself out on it, being able to participate in some type of amends towards my wife. Uh, and then from there, understanding the tools that I've been taught to reframe be it my thinking my words my actions and really trying to step into her shoes and understand the impact that my words and decisions make on her and by being able to do that i feel like um, i'm getting better i'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination but i'm better and i think that leads me to be a healthier man and a healthier father yeah can you give us an example of something that you would not have called abuse before Center for Peace that now you're like, oh, wow, this was abusive? Maybe one of the behaviors that has been easiest to stop doing? So I would say one of the behaviors that has been uh, easy for me to stop would be acting out. And I'll put that in context. So when I say acting out, uh, for some, that could be you know, masturbation, pornography, maybe 
other types of behavior, acting out with other people. And it's easy to try to put it in context and say, oh, well, at least I don't do that. Or, you know, I'm not as bad as this person, but all of it falls under the category of abuse, in my opinion. I think anything that impacts the emotional, physical, spiritual, or relational life of a spouse is abusive. And ironically, it was a conversation in the first week of the Center of Peace that we were having where Coach Joy, she said something that was just so profound. And I think it changed my life. And I don't mean that facetiously. I literally mean it changed my life. I've done rehab. I've done 12 steps. I've done spiritual groups. You name it. But I, I laugh. I'm an African-American male, and I say that there's this middle-aged Caucasian lady in the middle of nowhere that has literally transformed the man that I am. And she said, she said, take the scales of justice. She said, on one side, I want you to think about the person that you hate the most. Think about all the things you've said and done and thought about. And I said, okay, I got that person in my head. She said, on the other side, I want you to think about your wife. And think about all the things that you've done to her. Think about the words and the actions and the feelings and the behavior and the abuse. She said, which side is heavier? And I was like, wow, I said, my, my wife's side is heavier. But I was like so perplexed. I was like, well, well, why? Why would anybody do that? Like, why would I be so inclined to hurt my wife, somebody that I love so much? And she said, that's exactly what your wife is asking herself right now. And I said, oh, my God. And that was it. I knew at that point that I could never in my life, and I'm sorry, I feel like I, I'm a little emotional. I could never in my life put my wife through that again. She deserves so much more as a man and as a father and as the priest of my household. How could I ever put my wife through what I've done? She's a beautiful soul and someone who has stuck by my side through hell. It doesn't mean that our marriage is going to last, right? I, I recognize that she could easily get to the end of this and say, I, I don't want to do this. And I respect that. You know, I have to respect that um, because of the choices that I've made. But I will spend the rest of my life somehow in some way amending the, the choices that I've made. And I want her, if nothing else, when she goes on to glory to say that she is able to have peace in her heart. And if I can do that, man, that's what this program did for me. I would wish that for every family, right? That, that the horror of this type of abusive behavior, pornography, acting out, gaslighting, manipulation, you know, all of that could come to this hopefully beautiful <laughs> peace and salvation, repentance, change, whatever we want to call it, health, that we're all working toward that. So you mentioned that you had been to several like sex addiction specific type things before counseling. And, you know, I don't know what else you maybe could list it all off. But why do you think Center for Peace was such a different approach to your abusive behaviors? I think that Although 12-step programs are amazing and counselors are amazing, I don't take anything from them. And depending on your personality and proclivity, those work. But for someone who has engaged in those activities and abusive behavior, 
I think that you need deeper work. You need more of an intense, realistic approach to healing. I think that 12-step programs, now having gone through the center of peace for almost a year, 12-step programs are very narcissistic in nature. And I just started thinking to myself, that's wrong. Like, no. What about all the ways you've hurt someone? That's where it should start. What have I done to hurt other people? What damage have I done to other people? And how has it impacted them, be it emotionally or financially? And let that be the place that I start to walk out and accept my choices, to work out my amends, right? Being able to work through and process with others what I've done against them. And so I think the centerpiece has just provided me with clarity, with a sincere understanding of my actions. And then also, what good is it to be sober sexually and still a jerk? Like, who, 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 cares? <laughs> who cares if you're sober, but you're still gaslighting or manipulating your wife or yelling at her or being a horrible father and not picking up your share of the weight around the house? Like, who cares? Like, great. Hand clap a phrase for you. You're just like any normal, healthy human being. Excellent. Now let's talk about the problems that impact your spouse that aren't necessarily seen by the public. It's one thing to be a physical abuser and people can see the evidence of it. It's another thing to be an emotional abuser because people can't see that. And I think that does so much more damage because it's the internal torment. It can hurt a relationship or a person. I want to say much more than physical. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that for a minute. So you are a very well-respected, admired person in your community, right? People don't look at you and think wife beater, right? Well, first of all, because you're not a wife beater, you're not engaged in physical violence, but they don't think that about you. They think you've got a good job, you attend church, you're an upstanding member of the community, right? And so from that image that people have of you, and then your wife's sort of disapproval of you. Let's put that in quotes for a minute because she's being harmed, right? Can you reconcile sort of that juxtaposition in like the way that your wife might look at you and be like, Ugh, and how maybe before Center for Peace, you might have seen that as like, well, she doesn't appreciate me or she doesn't respect me or whatever. All these other people respect me. And how you sort of view that now, that juxtaposition in your image or the way people perceive you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So I would call it Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. That's the way I would define it. To the world, I was this charismatic and funny and well-known and liked and successful guy. The Instagram father, as I would call him. I mean, my Instagram page was just me and my kids and all the great things. And I'd buy all these gifts and, you know, treats and cars and clothes. And when I got home, I was this monster. And my wife would just become just so angry at the fact that in many ways I was two different people. She oftentimes would say and still says at times that it's really my wife who has protected me from from others seeing the truth in me, right? She's almost holding back all of the words and actions and feelings that others would really have if they knew the way I really have shown up in this world. It's almost as if she's holding back the people, but through my behavior, I'm stabbing her in the chest while she's holding back all these people, all these words and thoughts and actions. And so it has been one of the most challenging 
forms of incongruency that I have seen. You know, uh, Coach Joy and I, I told her I had this prayer, I had this revelation that shared with me that has become my mantra for life. It is to become congruent. It is to show up in every room the same way every time. I don't care who I'm with and what I'm doing, I'm going to show up that way. And that juxtaposition, uh, it has to be no longer. And there are times where I can see myself falling back into that old image. And not only because I've been empowered, but I think what's even greater is my wife has been empowered with the language and can see it. She calls it. She's like, nope, nope, we're not doing that. I recently wanted to do something that was a part of my old life. Not anything negative. I wanted to go speak at an event. And she said, no, I can't look up and see you speaking and think about what has happened and see that as a form of congruency in your life. It is not until this area of your life has been whole and healed before I think you can go forward in this area. And I think some men would see that as controlling. I see that as grace. I see that as not enforcing any more spiritual damage or emotional or physical damage on my wife through my actions. And so that juxtaposition, it's just crazy. And so many men in this world live by it. I mean, you name it. <laughs> they thrive on almost the separation of persons. It's time for men, I think, to become more congruent in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned that Center for Peace is a program that you've been in almost a year. So it's a year-long program. Do you think that that length of time is important? What do you think would have happened if it would have been shorter? Like, did you kind of think that you had made more progress and then over time you're like, oh, wait a minute, there are more layers to this than I realized. Can you talk about just the factor of time playing a role? Sure. So just practically the accountability factors, it's important to be held accountable, not only like Coach Joy, but by the other members in the group. Right. That's so that's important. I think the lens allows you to work through the multiple levels of your own trauma as well as the trauma you've inflicted on others. You know, for some men, it takes them four months just to even recognize themselves as abusers. Some men, it takes two weeks. But then, okay, now we've identified the issue. Now, what are some of the ways in which we've behaved this way? Okay, great. Now that we know that, okay, how do we stop them? Okay, now that we know that, okay, let's let's dig deeper. What are some of the emotional issues that you have not dealt with that would cause you to act in this way? And it just keeps going deeper and deeper. And you can't solve that in 12 weeks at an outpatient facility or 90 days or 60 days in an inpatient facility or at some type of 12-week program. That is not going to be done in a way that is effective. And also, I think the facilitator plays a big role as well through that year-long process because you need somebody that's going to call you out, you know, and Coach Joy, she has a way with her words. I'll say that, but she will call you out and say, no, no, that's abusive. Stop. No, that doesn't work. No, you are being rude. Don't do that. That's not going to work. And she does it in such a stern but loving way. Um, And I think for many men, like this is the first time you've been told no, (laughs) that's not okay. That what you just identified is not empathy, right? (laughs) You're not walking in peace. It's like in 12 steps, I oftentimes will say, you know, it's like as if I have meningitis and another person in the fellowship might have leukemia and I'm trying to tell you how to fix your problem. You're trying to tell me how to fix my problem. 
but we're just walking around and patting each other on the back and saying, oh, we'll be all right. No, like someone who is a doctor needs to come into the room and, and give us not only a remedy, but a plan to live out so that we can be healthy again. And I think that is the significance of the centerpiece. It's interesting because Coach Joy does not diagnose things, right? And also, she's just a coach. She just coaches on types of behaviors. But it's also interesting to me that if you went into a therapist and they were going to, quote unquote, diagnose you with something, there is no diagnosis in the DSM for abusive behavior. You might end up with some diagnosis of a personality disorder or something, but there's no just, I'm just going to say this because I think it's a little bit funny, but you're a jerk right? There's no like diagnosis like that, right? (laughs) No. I think the other issue that's interesting is you're saying this is the first time someone's told me no. I don't think people understand the, I'm going to call it rampant misogyny, which says that there's all these excuses or reasons to discount your wife or to dismiss her or to not take her concerns seriously. And it happens in therapy offices. It happens in clergy offices. It happens all over. And so I think that sort of growing up in this society that we grew up in, it's hard for women to identify the abuse because they sometimes think, well, that's just how men are. Or that's how they act. Or I need to not speak up because if I say this, he'll get mad and I don't want to make it mad. You know, women go through that type of internal dialogue with themselves all the time. And for a man exhibiting abusive behaviors, a lot of times it's not nobody ever calls him out on it. Nobody ever says like, no, that's not OK. It's not OK to dismiss your wife or to not take her concerns seriously or whatever people might say yeah well yeah she is kind of intense validate you when you sort of go down that throw my wife under the bus kind of talk after that rant i just went on (laughs) i'm actually going to pause the conversation here and continue it with james next week so please stay tuned in the meantime as you are hunkered down some of you have been asked to shelter in place some of you uh, may have may have been infected with the coronavirus. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for all of us. We can get through this together. Again, we are live online and we would love to see you in a session today. So go to btr.org to learn more about Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group, which is our daily live online group. We'd love to see you and relate with you and just be together there live in a live safe space. And if this podcast is helpful to you, please go to our website, btr.org, scroll down to the bottom and click on support the podcast. Your financial support will make a huge difference for us at this time, and we desperately need it. So please support this podcast. We appreciate all of you who support us in the past, all of you who continue to support us, and we really need your support right now. Until next week, stay safe out there.